Welcome to The Blender. Jason Brennan, Dave Meltzer. Thank you for listening, and always thank you for sharing the show with your friends. Uh, Dave, we've seen a lot of new listeners come on recently, which we always appreciate. They can follow you at Instagram, at David Meltzer. I'm at Jason M. Brennan. Same handles for Twitter. You can also go to DaveMeltzer.com if you want to know what's going on with Dave and the show. We put a lot of stuff up there about that. Uh, you're coming back straight from Portugal, so uh, I'm night. getting you, what, 12 hours after you landed, and you're going to take <laughs> off again here in a little bit? Yeah, I've got five hours till I take off uh, for New Orleans, then Mammoth, then New York, and I'll be done by the 17th. It's going to be good. After the 17th, you're actually going to spend some time filling out your 50 for 50 calendar, which was 50 birthday parties this year to raise over a million dollars for the Unstoppable Foundation. If you haven't been to one yet... You could plan one. You could pledge to be part of it. You can run around the world or do crazy stuff. But uh, a very successful campaign. If you want to check out the Unstoppable Foundation, you can do that at unstoppablefoundation.org. Text 50450 to 555-888, and that's going really well. Yeah, really well. In fact, my favorite one is our head of the media is running 100 miles now because 50 miles that he ran. Too easy, huh? Yeah, it was too easy. I wouldn't run 100 miles for anybody's charity, but thank you. Brian, I appreciate it. It's a hell of a lot easier to raise money. It is. Trust me. I'd rather ask 100 100 people. I'd rather ask 100 people for 1,000. Look, I I did the Man of the Year campaign for Leukemia Lymphoma Society a couple of years ago and raised a a lot of money for them. And they asked me why I did it. And I had a friend who passed away from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. But I said, the real reason I did it was because it seems a hell of a lot easier than running a marathon. (laughs) Right? That was the other option you guys gave me to to do this. So I'll, I'll raise some money for you instead. All right, a uh, lot to get to today. Um, we are going to put a, a touch into esports, and if uh, if you're sick of hearing about it, I know that you have a kid who's asking you for fifteen dollars or twenty dollars so that they can go buy V bucks and and add things to their Fortnite characters. Uh, I want to get into where their next play is a little bit with you today, Dave, because we've been talking about this for a couple of years, but also. We're right in the middle of baseball extensions, the basketball season. I know you're doing stuff with the Lakers, so quite a bit to get to today. And uh, we are also doing a couple of segments Facebook Live, so uh, check those out on Facebook. Even if you miss it today, you can go back and find old ones. This is The Blender, Dave Meltzer, Jason Brennan, more in a few. Welcome to The Blender, Jason Brennan, Dave Meltzer. If you're on Facebook, uh, throw us your comments. We'd like to uh, have you interact with the show if you're listening to the show uh, join us next week on Facebook. We'll send out some tweets and let you know where to find us. You can find us also on Twitter at David Meltzer. I'm at Jason M. Brennan, and this is The Blender. We talk about a lot of stuff, Dave, but one of the things that we talked about very early on was esports and kind of the expansion of esports. We both have sons that are at that age where, and that age is a big age, right? It's like an NFL player down to six to 46, or down to six or seven years old, um, that are very focused on the game Fortnite by Epic Games. Uh, recently, Fortnite, uh, recently as in yesterday, came out where you can now put an NFL jersey on your Fortnite character. It runs about 15 bucks. Uh, you can put any number on there. I would like to see maybe a Warren Moon, your business partner, or Ron Mexico, maybe something like that. <laughs> Those things uh, coming up soon. Yeah, I know. You know, it's funny because coming home from Portugal, I asked Miles, my eight year old, what he'd like from Portugal. I had this cool rooster pen that he punches, and he, all he asked was, Dad, just bring me V Bucks. I'm like, okay, now I'll bring your V Bucks from Portugal because he wanted the NFL. What a genius deal, though. I don't know if it's a Rev Shield deal or whatever, but talk about data. Think about what data they get on who around the world is interested in what teams and interested in the NFL. 
So because of the reach that Fortnite has, the data play is extraordinary beyond the revenue share that's probably created. Uh, I'm definitely thinking there is no licensing fee involved, but a rev share and then the data play, being able to share in that data to find out what girls and boys around the world, what teams are most interested or interesting to them. Yeah, I, I drove my son and a friend of his home from school the other day, and one of them said, Hey, are you getting uh, are you getting some NFL skins on Friday, right? And the response, well, I don't know, maybe I'm I'm thinking about it. And then it became, which team do you like? I'm getting a Cowboys one. I was thinking about getting a Packers one. And you know, I didn't realize at that point that my son would get a Cowboys one, but <laughs> that's where he was thinking. I don't know if it was the uniform or whatever. I thought he was a Rams fan, but you know, this sort of conversation was being had about the NFL on a Wednesday that I promise you would not have been had a month ago. Yeah, let alone in Europe. Right. I was at Web Summit in Portugal and it was the talk of, of Web Summit. There was people that I had no clue. They were talking about the other football. I was there literally with uh, Ronaldo's agent, who's the, has the number one following in the world, more than Selena Gomez. I Gorbez saw and, that. I, yeah. that. And we'll, we'll get into that a little <laughs> bit, maybe. I, I, when, I, when I saw that it was Ronaldo, I was like, I guess I'm not shocked, but, you know, I thought it would be somebody else, maybe. Yeah. But, but it was cool being with his agents and them talking about this deal. It was really interesting. So, $1 billion is uh, – Fortnite went over across the $1 billion in revenue. Uh, for a mark, game, free game. For a free game, right? Yeah. Um, and that has been continuously growing. We're seeing NFL players tweet about it. Uh, Nathan Avaldi from the Red Sox and David Price played a, a game after uh, one of the World Series games, and that allegedly focused them for the following game. Uh, you've also seen some things with Carpal Tunnel and whether or not it was good that they were playing. Um, but I think the way that pop culture – sports has adopted this it's really smart for them as well right because we want to say it's a one-way street and 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 epic games is going to gain all this information but going the other direction makes these players that might not have been as marketable to to young kids uh, a hell of a lot more marketable now because of their their attachment to this yeah you know i got on the phone today with one of the trolls uh on my instagram about hey wh why are you hating on guys that charge shipping for the books Right. I said, I'm not, you know, what I'm trying to do is encourage people to provide value and let the value speak for itself. And that's what Epic did with the game. Right. They had such confidence in the value of the game. It's not like they're not making money. They're not hiding the fact they're not making money. I don't hide the fact that I don't like to make money. It's first on my mission statement. Make a lot of money to help a lot of people to have a lot of fun. But when you can provide true value, you don't need to oversell, back end sell or manipulate people. And that's what I like most about Fortnite is it's straightforward. It's like, here's the game. If you love it, you can buy additional things, right? Here's Dave Meltzer. If you love him, you can buy additional things. But what I don't like is the back-end selling, you know, where they're double-charging you, the renewal rates, all the things. That's not the energy that we want to give it. I think the reason they're so successful is they understand the 120 rule. They provided value, unconditional value. They made the investment up front. And they provided value. And guess what? The universe is bringing it all back in exponential value. And, and I think that as parents, we all know, our kid could play that for free if they wanted to. They never have to spend $1. Now, how do you build, and, and let's not talk about Dave Meltzer, the brand, but let's talk about Fortnite, the brand, yeah, right? Much bigger. As, as you start building this additional value and you show there's these other things out there, how calculated do you have to be to make sure that while you're delivering something for free, you also have a business in mind? Because I think while Fortnite is doing it well, 
Facebook is probably the number one adopter of that of all time, right? Where they gave you something, said we're not charging you for it, and now they're worth LinkedIn. I don't know more than a billion dollars. Yeah, right? <laughs> a couple billion dollars, right? I don't know what the current value is, but I mean, it, at some point, you have to say, I need a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah, and I think it's okay, right? And and it's about providing value at a frequency. And as the frequency elevates itself, it reaches a broader band of people and people that like it and, dis and don't like it. But you, you nailed uh, the nail on the head, right? You hit the nail on the head when you said, hey, your kid can play for free. They can go in a library, get on the Internet, download and play for free, which is wonderful. And all it does is build brand, it builds conversations, it builds exposure, it's the five to thrive system. They stimulate an interest, transition interest, share the vision, and then they manage and develop the vision so well. Just like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, a variety of other companies that give things for free. But what they should keep their eye on is how you do it and what energy you give it, because sooner or later the truth comes out and you want it to wear well. You can sell somebody something and charge, give it to them free and charge them a horrendous amount of shipping. They'll never order from you again. It doesn't wear well. But you can give something for free and as they love that, offer them other things for value. All right. So you mentioned earlier that you... You uh, had a conversation with a troll, right? Yeah. And, <laughs> Good and, guy. And look, <laughs> no names. Tro tro trolls on the internet are, are going to be there for as long as the internet is there, right? Yeah. And so, just so I understand, they were giving you heat because you didn't, they, you don't charge. Yeah, they wanted, they wanted to know why I was mocking people that charge for shipping, give something away for free. And I said, I'm not. Mo so I said, I appreciate that. I really want to understand what you're, where you're coming from. Here's my cell phone. Give me a call. So he gave me a call this morning you know, 5.30 or whatever it was my time. And I said, just explain to me what you mean. And so he said, well, you know, I'm in the marketing business. This is a great strategy. You're, you're, you have a strategy to make money. Why can't these people have a strategy? I said, now you nailed my point. My point is the strategy that you're taking is manipulative. And I prefer to be straightforward and give value and not hide a factor, back-end sell, oversell, or manipulate someone. I'm against that. I don't think there's a reason or a purpose to do it. Have something that thrives, provide something of value. You won't have to oversell, back and sell, or manipulate. And the guy agreed with me, and we had a great conversation. He's going to come see me speak in New York on the 16th. Well, there you go. Changing people's lives. <laughs> That's a go. Or opinions. Right, opinions at this point. <laughs> Maybe lives uh, further down the line. All right. Um, so outside of uh, the world of esports, we've also seen quite a bit in traditional sports, right? Uh, the NFL is seems to be bouncing back in a lot of ways, not just because of their Fortnite relationship, but as popular as ever. Uh, we're in that Major League Baseball offseason right now, the start of basketball season. Uh, let's talk about some of the big money deals that have gone down as of late. Clayton Kershaw re-signed with the Dodgers, added an additional year, added an additional $30 million. Uh, I think we talked about this a little bit last show. Thoughts on that? Great deal, great value. Just don't work him so hard and so much. Don't rely on him so much, and you'll see that he is the best pitcher in MLB, and he'll be able to last the whole season through the playoffs and the World Series and be able to bring it. Great, great deal for both teams, him and his team. Now, I, I hung out with some former Major League Baseball players that were talking about the analytics side of it, and obviously Clayton Kershaw checks the boxes on both the eye test and the analytics, but with the way that the game has changed and there's more swing and misses and there's more pitches than ever before, and we saw that in the World Series where you know, they were using uh, you know, seven, ten pitchers a game in some cases, 
I mean, Clayton Kershaw's a difference maker. Uh, and, and I understand why you pay someone $30 million that makes a difference in 25 or 30 games of your season every year. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you get an ROI with certain players that make a difference when times are tough. And, you know, it's an, an incredible value because you have a sustained success rate when, when he's playing. All right. Well, uh, I want to jump to some other stuff. We are running into some time on this segment for the radio side. So uh, we're going to take a quick break there and uh, we'll keep it going on Facebook Live. When we get back, uh, I want to talk some NBA, some PGA Tour, quite a bit more. This is The Blender. Welcome back to The Blender. Jason Brennan, Dave Meltzer. If you're on Facebook, we appreciate you staying there. If you have thoughts on some things, uh, be sure to share them. As you've heard, Dave will uh, respond. I'm not giving out my cell phone number, but for some reason, (laughs) he has no problem giving out his. Um, A quick note, uh, Blaine handed this to me. Do you know the Waterboy's 20th anniversary is uh, just happened? I know Dan Fouts was in it for a little bit. Henry Winkler, the Fonz was in it. He was. And uh, it was a great movie. So the only reason I bring that up is because we we had kind of celebrated Jerry Maguire's 20-year anniversary, or it was it 20 years 25, earlier? 25, yeah. years uh, last year. And uh, that was, of course, uh, at least based partly on uh, Lee Steinberg, who you were working with at the time. I saw Jerry Maguire the other night, so, and, and uh, it was on TV, and I, I got stuck on it for 30 or 40 minutes. And I just want to know, was Lee Steinberg the type of guy to shoplift the pootie? <laughs> <laughs> was that part of how was uh was that was that part based on him? He he the whole story is not based on Lee Steinberg, <laughs> but that was based off of another agent uh that was at the at the office. Uh, Lee actually when they stole his clients Jeff Morad? Uh no. The <laughs> the uh the, uh, <laughs> the other uh real story was when he was at his wedding, that's when they snaked all his clients. So the, the real story, remember how they went? Right. That's when he did it, when he was actually at his wedding. So he, he was actually getting married. Uh, but the part that should hold true is that Lee is the first agent still in in that business that put humanity first, right? He's a he's true agent of social change, and everything that we did had a charitable purpose or cause. Every athlete had a foundation or a purpose that he had to have, and he turned down some really big athletes because they didn't align with what his social beliefs were. All right. Well, that wasn't. I, I just wanted to ask that. That wasn't one of his social beliefs. I, it came up when I was watching I the know, movie. I was I like, I wonder it. what. I wonder what they pulled from. <laughs> well, the Waterboys' twentieth anniversary. Uh, it actually was the uh, the highest grossing sports film, passing uh, The Blind Side, Rocky, Bull Durham, Jerry Maguire. You have a favorite sports movie? Uh, probably Rocky. I'm, I'm, I'm actually kind of looking forward to seeing this Creed movie. Me which, too. I've I watched think, every one. Creed, it's Creed 2, by the way. I, yeah, I if get you. didn't you. see Creed 1, I'm all over all of them. And I still get emotional. You know me. I, I tear up, and I, I'm right there with, with all of them. Uh, yeah. No matter how cheesy they get. No, that that's good. I, <laughs> I think, uh, look, I, I tear up quite a bit on the couch at night, and uh, <laughs> it's not always just because of something I did. All right, um. I like this betting on the PGA Tour, right? We're starting to see that it's coming out. We talked about micro bets an awful lot and things. Are they going to make this putt? Are they going to miss this putt? Those sort of things. PGA Tour has basically come out and said that we actually see this being able to happen by 2020. And uh, the technology has been there. We see it in other sports. Uh, But I think it's perfect for golf because, honestly, I make bets on on the golf course. Not big bets, but when I play around – there's always action going. And it makes it a lot more fun. You mm-hmm. know, I, when I went to Europe, I had a couple of friends that were really big gamblers, and we 
played blackjack, and the funnest part was they were playing $30,000, three hands at $30,000 piece each time, right? So 90 grand, big, big bet. But you could line up behind them and bet on them. And it created such a great atmosphere. So I think not only, you know, should they allow the fans to bet, but I think they should allow one-on-one betting, not not betting the other way for, for an athlete. But I would love to see Tiger be able to go, 20 bucks if you make that. You know, or twenty thousand, or twenty for charity or whatever reason. I think it'd be a lot of fun that everybody can pile on top of his bat. I would think that that's what we're going to see in this uh, the match that's coming up here later this month. I'm hoping that you see some of that. Me because too. If not, I just I don't know that it's going to maintain keep my interest for for four or five hours or however long it takes. Yeah, I think it'll still keep my interest because I know both. I mean, especially Phil. I just want to see him keep it close. Keep it close. Do you want to see him win? No, I'm a huge Tiger fan. (laughs) No, but that's kind of the thing. Like, I like both of them. However, I kind of want to see Tiger kick his butt. I mean, Phil's just one of those guys that... And what's up with his commercials recently? The commercials where he's making like a grilled cheese sandwich. I don't even know what it's for. Well, he has like a Livitar or <laughs> yeah, like that, high blood fresher. <laughs> he's getting old. I think of him, you know, age-wise, real quick. Isn't it weird? Like when you're 18 and someone's 13 or 14, you seem so much older. But when you get to be 50, you still look at him like he's so much younger than you. Right. <laughs> but you got the same issues, right? Exact it's, same it, issues. There's no difference between a 46-year-old and a 50-year-old, but there's a huge difference between 18 and 14. Yeah. And uh, there was one I grew up with him, and, and now I think it's fun because I think of him as so young, and I'm like, no, he's an old fat man. This is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I've told you so. As an old fat man, I can say that. I played against him <laughs> when I was in high school, and he was he was two or three years older than me, and I thought... I thought not only was he like he was a college guy basically. Right, right. <laughs> I'm a high school kid, you know. I mean, it was like, and he he was undoubtedly better than everyone else who ever played on the planet basically yeah. at the time. However, um, now to see him doing old man commercials makes me realize how old I am. Yeah, exactly. That's the scary. Part. I try to forget about those sort of things. Okay, so the the scientist of uh, the PGA Tour, Bryson Bryson DeChambeau, who did not have a good Ryder Cup, but did have a very good. Uh, end of season and won a few tournaments and thought maybe was a FedEx Cup champion potentially. Did not play well in the final round. There's uh, some rule changes this year, and one of the rule changes is you can leave the flag in when you're putting, right? Yep. And uh, not shockingly, he was the first person to come out and say, you know, if it's a fiberglass flag, that's what I'm going to do. If it's a wood flag or it's a metal flag, I don't think that's what I'm going to do because I want the backstop aspect of it. Um what do you think about guys that are willing to change the game the way he does? And maybe him specifically. Uh, it seems weird, but everything that seems weird is ultimately what we all gravitate towards at some point. Yeah, you know what? That change, uh, it's like a, you know, only person that likes change is a wet baby. Uh, eventually, change becomes the norm. Uh, I do like it because you can get so aggressive on, on putts if you leave it in, and it changes, you know, the game. It gets kind of boring when guys have have to be careful and lay up and it, it'll get really fun if they go for it and miss the pin and it goes, you know, another 20 yards and you end up with triples and the whole game changes because, you know, the leaderboard changes so quickly with the triple bogey. Um, so I really like the rule change and I like the fact that he stepped up and said, I'm going to do this and this is my strategy for it. And uh, he's he's done this with a couple of things. All his clubs are the same length. Yeah. He's a very awkward uh, swing versus, I mean, not versus amateurs for sure. I mean, but uh, when you look at the professional swings, they're all fairly similar. Uh, he's very different. And um, 
I, I just think there's a lot of kids that are going to grow up and look at the way that he's playing and say, I'm going to at least give it a shot because it's a tough game and he does things very differently. And I think in some ways he's oversimplifying it, which is probably a good thing. Yeah, it just reminds me of the story when I first started playing with my uncle and I played an entire round and on the 18th hole he said, you know how much that flag stick weighs? I said, no. He goes, I didn't think so. You haven't picked it up all day? <laughs> exactly, I didn't pick it up all day. <laughs> Taught me that valuable lesson. <laughs> so I'd leave it in just out of laziness. <laughs> well, um, yeah, you know, I, I hear that one a lot with older guys, for sure. With their backs, I know. Yeah, uh, okay. <laughs> so coming up, uh, I want to make sure that we touch on what's going on with the playbook, uh, because you, you've had some incredible guests over the last several months. Uh Dave Roberts, we put that one on at the World Series. That was really good. Uh, but today is one of the more – we're going to play a little bit of it in the next segment. But uh, Reggie Love, who most people kind of know the name when you start getting into the details of it, right? But they don't necessarily – maybe not one that right away people go, oh, I know who that is. They might think it's a beach boy, right? Right. Yeah. Reggie Love is the – I consider the number one role player of all time. He was the role player at Duke when they won the national championship. But more importantly, he was Obama's right-hand man. And so he's always had a role, and he had a significant role, but he was the unsung, unknown hero. And I think the reason it resonates with me so much is until the last couple of years, for me, I've always tried to do the same thing. You know, whether it was when I played sports in college, you know, because when you're not the best, you know, you can still serve as a role player and as a catalyst and as a support. I was a captain on a lot of teams, although I wasn't the best player because I wanted to be that motivator and that, that role player. He, right-hand man for the president, and even today for charities, and, you know, he, he actually is stepping into his own brand as, you know, a leader of a big fund and making some social change in, around the world. But Reggie Love, please listen to the, to the playbook because there's a lot of great lessons you can learn. by Not everyone can be LeBron James. Okay, so I want to talk about that because I think this is a special one for people to listen to. And, and Reggie Love, we're going to play that segment coming up next. But, you know, when from a very young age, it's all about competition, right? And you're pushing towards being the best in your, your class, maybe the best in your school, and then the best in somebody else's school, and maybe the best in the world, right? Um, and at some point, there's a, a reality check where you look and you go, probably can top out at fifth best, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting because to me, major achievement to play college football at a division three school. Obviously, there was tons of players better than me. Then, you know, to be CEO of Lee Steinberg was a great role. There's so many people that would dream to be at that level, but it still wasn't the level of Lee. Right. And then to start my own business with Warren Moon and all that was a whole nother level. And then even now today, having my own brand, et cetera, there's a whole different level. As I start my brand, there's always someone that has a better reach, gets paid more for speaking, sold more books, has a bigger following, whatever it would be. That's where the enjoyment of the consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential. Reggie Love, you know, surrounded himself, like me, with the greatest, you know, Krzyzewski, Obama, just extraordinary people that he's learned from and keeps on elevating his own awareness so that he can pursue his potential even greater. And how how do you sell that to you have many interns and we talk about the interns and the young people and you're doing a lot of videos where you're you're sitting out at parks with with people that and and those are fantastic and you're giving some real life advice. But how do you have that? You know, is the message as simple as surround yourself with good people, do the right thing? Pretty two things. Right. Number one, uh, how can I be of service? And two, do you know anyone that can help me? 
those two questions I really consistently teach to people because that allows you to understand the purpose of time, to be present, to be of value. Everything that I have is truly value-based. It's about giving, not trading, unconditional giving, living as close to the truth, whatever it is that you want, the closest to that truth. And if we can enjoy the pursuit and it comes to, you know, people say I have to do something or I get to do it. Well, we get to go ahead and move on to Reggie Love. All right. You heard it. Reggie Love coming up next. Duke basketball football player, uh, close confidant of President Obama. Lots of good stuff coming up. Keep it right here. This is The Blender. This is Dave Meltzer, CEO of Sports One Marketing, and I'm here with Entrepreneur, The Playbook. And I have to tell you, I'm really excited to be here with Reggie Love. Uh, you were introduced to me through Zach Leonsis. It's a good and, friend. Yeah, he. Yeah. And, but he mentioned your name. And I said, oh my gosh, that's the guy I want to have on the playbook because I only knew tidbits of the story. And for, for those who don't know about you, Reg, if you want to just give a few minutes yeah. of background, your own brief soliloquy of your successes <laughs> of, of where and what uh, you've done. Well, well first, of all, first and foremost, thank you for having me uh, today, Dave. Yes, I appreciate uh, you taking the time to, to be here and to spend the time with me. Uh, look, you know, I can't say that I've had a bunch of successes. I think I've been on a bunch of very good teams, uh, and I think that's really sort of been uh, part of what's sort of kept me on a pretty decent trajectory to date. You know, um, I was a football player uh, growing up and got a scholarship to Duke. Um, you know, in football we didn't win a bunch. We you know, lost more than we won for four years. A good but streak there, did you? Like 22 losses. Yeah, we did. And, <laughs> you know, and, and I was lucky enough to have a chance to walk on to a basketball team that was coached by Coach K in my freshman year. Shane Battier, obviously, you know, NBA champion and, you know, multiple time uh, uh, player of the year and defensive player of the year in college and just sort of a great role model and teammate. Um, so, you know, I, I was lucky enough to sort of have, to be close to that. Uh, and I think over time, you know, even though everyone's roles are different, uh, the relationships and the connectivity that you build from being on a part of a team, I think is, you know, it's not comparable to anything else. So you and I have this in common, right? We, we're kind of that guy's guy, right? When I was, it was always, Lee Steinberg's, you know, that's Lee Steinberg's guy, or that's right. Warren Moon's partner. Right. I, until I started this internet thing of building my own brand, I don't think anyone knew my first name, <laughs> let alone my last name. I did get, you know, the short Jewish guy, yeah. and you were the chief of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I got, or, you know, you're that guy that plays basketball with Obama, or you're the guy that runs Secret Service for Obama. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, yeah whatever. It's you're the guy that went to Duke. You, yeah. play, you played yeah. right, with these yeah. guys. And yeah. you won a national championship. I got to play a little bit. I think Boozer got hurt, right? Yeah, I, he did. I'm, I'm a huge Duke fan, especially after I met Coach K. Thank you, man. And if if I, you know, the, the schools, that is top of top. So I have a question, though, because what personality trait if you look at exceptional beings, and, and I'm going to take two that I love, Coach K and President Obama, okay. what personality traits do they have that you see in all great men and women that you meet? Yeah, I mean, look, I think that is definitely one of the unique perspectives I've been able to have, right? Where, you know, I've sort of worked for or worked with these two guys who basically are been the best at the in top the of the game of, the what, in the world. of what they do. Now, you know, I always joke because, 
you know, like I, I would say that in the world of like Duke basketball, it's like not a democracy. There's no Congress. There's no Senate. <laughs> right. It's just like, you know, there is like the Duke way and like that's the way. Um, and so, you know, I think that Barack Obama, I think, has been very good at bringing people together to, you know, that have different points of views, different angles, different needs, you know, and sort of making people feel good about not getting everything that they want, you know, like true diplomacy, yeah. you know, and obviously you see less and less of that, um, you know, here in our current state of uh, the political environment. But um, but when you look at where Barack Obama and uh, Mike Krzyzewski overlap, I honestly think one of the biggest things, and I think it's also one of the biggest things for me, is that, you know, both of those guys, like, they basically, there isn't one thing that they would ask someone else to do that they wouldn't do themselves or haven't done themselves before in the past. Uh, Interesting, because um, I'm looking at one thing, and most people wonder behind the scenes. I've never met President Obama. I did get to share a lot of time with Coach K. And, you know, I believe that certain people vibrate faster. But the thing that seems to me that those are two really good people. They seem to do good they, in the simplest forms of being people. They're extremely intelligent. They're, they're like one trait that I have that they had was I cannot work you. And, and I got the sense from Coach K and I get it from Obama that, look, I may not be the most intelligent, but I am a tireless worker. I will, and that's how I made the teams that I made. That's how I got to play in college and do the things that I did was I just stayed steady. But they also, beyond this work ethic, they just seem like good people. Give me some insight on that type of character because I think it goes, I think underestimated that, hey, good guys win. And they seem like two good guys that are real winners. Yeah, I mean, I I would argue that, um, one, I think they both have, you know, a motor, right? And I think, especially Coach K, right? I mean, the guy played basketball at a competitive level and not, you know, a big guy, not the fastest guy. Uh, The same for Barack Obama, played basketball, wasn't the biggest, wasn't the fastest. Uh, But in terms of being, in terms of how they are as human beings, um, you know, I think when when I really think back about it, there are two things about Barack Obama that really sort of highlight that for me. Um, And then I think the one thing about Coach K uh, that highlights it for me, and I'll start with that, is that Coach K really, you know, cares about the development of the kids that come to the program. Uh, You know, Coach K has this thing every year called K Academy, and he brings back former players, and the the former players are coaching, you know, campers that are 35 years and older that are coming for this fantasy experience and when you and so and so I have like a level of connectivity with guys that I never played with because coach K has been there for so long same university same job same title hasn't gone to the league hasn't switched schools hasn't and I think ultimately he cares about the brand of the university and he cares about the development of the kids that come to the program who are now men and some of them are young men or some of them are still kids and but when, <laughs> right. but when you look at that when when you look at uh the type of young men uh that have turned into such a wide range of uh, of you know everything from analysts to coaches to 
hedge fund managers to you know venture capitalists like there's just such a large range of guys that have that not are that are not necessarily where they are today only because of coach K but have had that influence on their own individual development as young men i think that's like you know and i and i think it's easy as a coach to be caught up in just your wins you yeah. know and because ultimately people get paid for wins. Yeah, the one and done thing, I could see it on his face. It was like it almost killed him that he had to put up with it because his ultimate vision was to mature a legacy that was far beyond just you going to the NBA. Right, and, right. But he also knows a brand needs to win, and in the reality of today, he it has to allow some conundrum to have. Yeah. What's the best piece of advice I get this about Lee and Warren and, and other mentors I've had, but what's the best piece of advice President Obama gave you? Um, I would say he's given me some really good advice over the years. And I think the place where he probably changed my mind in the sense of, you know, because when you're in your mid-20s, you don't really think about what happens in the end, you know, for you, for your parents, for your siblings. And... Um, you know, and I was like really upset with my mom about like tickets for like the inauguration and, <laughs> you know, and he said, and it was the day after the inauguration, first day in the White House. And he says to me, he goes by and he goes, you know, I have not, I didn't see your parents. You know, I saw a bunch of people in the last like two days, but I, I didn't see your parents. He says, did they come? And I was like, yeah, no, 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 my parents are here. They're here. And he goes, he goes, I, well, I would love to just, you know, say hello to them and say thanks for you. And I had said to him, I said, I don't know, man. My mom and I were in a fight right now, like really like in a fight. And he goes, yeah, but you know, he said, still haven't come by. And I was like, and I said, sir, I was like, this is gonna make it really, I just not gonna invite my parents by because this is, I'm trying to work, we're in a thing. And like, I just wanna, <laughs> and he says, well, look, you know, I'm the president of the United States and I wanna see your parents. So <laughs> you're gonna invite best. your parents over here because yeah. I wanna say hello to them. <laughs> and, and so I did and he says to me, you know, after they come, and he's like really nice to him, and Michelle says hello to him, and you know, there's this great photo of, you know, of them in the Oval Office, and um, and he goes, you know, that wasn't so hard, was it? And I was like, no, it wasn't. He goes, you know, look, he says, my mother's not here, and you know, I would do anything to be able to have, you know, another moment with her. And he says, you're probably too young to understand that this thing doesn't always go as long as you think it's gonna go. Um, and so uh, it has helped me sort of understand that, you know, my parents are young. They're like, at that point in time, they were up, I think they were 60 or late 50s. Thank and, you, man. That's young. And, uh, That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 50, so. And so, I, and so that has like always given me the perspective to like appreciate and enjoy every day with your friends, with your family, because ultimately, even when you're mad, even when you're something, things going crazy, it's just, you know, look, it's, it's not that bad, yeah. you know. You're still young. You have this extraordinary background. You meet influential people and you influence influential people. What legacy do you want to leave when it's all said and done? Yeah, I mean, I think that, and um, I think there's two things that are really important to me. Um, and, you know, I think mainly is I, I moved to DC. I was 22 years old. I didn't know anyone. There was no book, there was no manual, there was no. And so, I kind of just like stumbled through a lot of it and I think I got really lucky in some of these stumbles and whatever. Um, but ultimately I always say that, you know, like my door is like always open. Like if, like I will spend 
you know, half an hour, 30 minutes, 20 minutes with anybody, you know, because, you know, I always think that. Thank goodness, that's why you're here. (laughs) (laughs) I got him on my podcast, he's a man of his word. Uh, And I, but no, because like I, you know, I can remember the few people who were kind enough to me to give me 10 minutes or give me 30 minutes to give me their thoughts and their advice. Uh, not to say that I know everything, but sometimes just to hear another perspective from someone else who's had a journey, you know, like, you know, my, I have had great parents, but, you know, I'm like the first kid in my family to play college sports, the first kid in my family to live in D.C. and to work in politics and to go get their MBA. And so, you know, I've often had to lean on people that weren't inside, you know, the love household to to get a perspective or to get help or guidance on things and so I think that's like one thing you know the saying is if you take the elevator success up you know never don't forget to send it back down for someone else and so like I'm like a big believer in that and you know and I think you know I have I my parents are they've been together for you know almost uh, 45 years and they've been uh, great spouses to one another and great parents and you know I think that that is sort of you know, I think that's my biggest challenge, to be as good of a, a spouse and a good husband and a good father, you know, the way my parents were. Uh, yes. And so, like, yeah, I think if I can do that, you know, I think you'll, everything else will kind of take care of itself. I love that. Well, that's my favorite question of the playbook. And I think you have a legacy of productivity and accessibility. <laughs> and uh, beyond Thanks. trying to live up to what I think is a major accomplishment for anyone staying happily married and supportive of your family after 40 some years. I've been doing it 20, but it's been more one sided. It's all my wife and her patience and understanding. Hey, look, you're halfway there, man. Congrats. <laughs> you know. Well, you know, when you have a blind and deaf wife, it's easy to stay married. <laughs> I'm a smart guy. I look for my strengths. Uh, anyway. Uh, what a pleasure to have you on. We'll have to do this again. I, yeah. I definitely want to hear you. Four-year anniversary. That's right. Well, no, before that, man. We're going go to we're gonna Laker game. I'm sitting you courtside. All right, learn let's do it. about the inside scoop of basketball next. All right, let's I was do it. wanted to be the commissioner. But uh, I'm here with Reggie Love. This is Dave Meltzer with Entrepreneur, The Playbook. Welcome back to The Blender. Hopefully you enjoyed the Reggie Love interview. If you like The Playbook, uh, subscribe to it uh, on Instagram. Make sure you're finding out what's coming out new. Lots of good stuff on there. Uh, next play, playbook podcast um, is a Grammy winning rapper, which I thought was, uh, it's, a, it's a stretch for you, right? <laughs> Big stretch. All right. Well, uh, and that is Lecrae. Is, am I saying that right? Yeah, Lecrae. I have he, no idea who that but is. He's a Christian. He's a Christian rapper. So he's really cool kid and he has really high morals, uh, but he keeps a line that's completely, and he's hip. He wears killer clothes and he's super cool and his music's excellent, but he, he's really the first in that genre. Okay, well, well, we'll listen to that one next week, so make sure you're checking that out. Uh, lots of good stuff for Dave coming up. He's in uh, New Orleans at the end of this week. Uh, Mammoth, he's going to uh, quite a few Laker games, New York, uh, Entrepreneur Live there, and, of course, we have Elevator Pitch. I'm starting to see the ads for that, so we must have a new season coming forth. It's crazy. Uh, Nike City Edition uniforms. I don't know if you've seen these. Uh, maybe you saw they're starting to do some of the things at the city. Um, you saw maybe with Cleveland. the the. The Cleveland ones, the uh, the Golden State ones, uh, but some ways to further engage the fans, right? And New Era did it with some of the hats, and now you're seeing it with some Nike edition. Uh, spread love uh, for Brooklyn, Minnesota Timberwolves, Purple Rain uniform, uh, some stuff coming. All of this is good, right? Anything Great. that you can do to 
to expand your reach here. Yeah, it beats changing the numbers, right? We, we all saw people change their numbers so they could sell more jerseys. And so I like the fact that there's just, you know, going from a military uniform to, you know, old school throwback uniforms from every genre of the uniforms now to branding a city, which just creates, you know, more un, unification, right? Unite your city, follow your city, then you're following your team. And if we can get a city behind a team, we can see what can happen, not just economically, but truly what can happen emotionally and, mo- and motivationally. If you should see the numbers of what happened to Cleveland when they brought Le- LeBron James. Uh, it went from the worst city to go visit to like one of the top 10, and their economy exploded. Uh, so if you talk about the investment in, in Clayton Kershaw, the investment in your team can have extraordinary results for your city. All right, well, we've seen it before. We'll keep an eye on that. Uh, Paige Van Zant, who you spent some time with, she's got a fight coming up uh, on uh, UFC. Girl. All right, yes, so she's we'll, awesome. let's get into that boxing a little bit more next week. Uh, for Dave Meltzer, I'm Jason Brennan. Thank you for listening. This has been The Blender.